And now, broadcasting from atop a secret location somewhere on Fort Myers Beach, Florida. It's how about that? Yeah! Now. And now, your host, Brian Howe. Yes. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and probably a very early goodbye. Today, (laughs) featuring John Bledsoe over here, my producer and my guest seeker, and we are now starting off, I think, our fifth podcast, which is an achievement with the equipment we've got. I've got to tell you, because nothing works here. Um, But what we're going to do is introduce you to our wonderful lady, Victoria Ackerman. You may or may not know the name, but she founded The Spirit University. And today's topic, or one of today's topics, I will include several topics while I briefly introduce Victoria. Um, We are going to be talking about God. We are going to be talking about the afterlife, near-death experiences. Does God exist? I don't know. Maybe Victoria can help us out. Victoria, introduce yourself, my darling. Well, thank you, Brian. It's lovely to be here. Yes, this is Victoria with the Spirit University. And... um, I've had a, I've had my own experiences as other people have, and uh, they've been profound and life changing. And it's my joy to share them uh, with you and see where this uh, interesting journey leads us. Well, one thing's for sure, Victoria. We are all on the same journey, whether we realize it or not. We are all moving towards a place where some people think they know what happens, other people are happy to admit that they have no idea what's going to happen when the final light goes out and uh so where should we start with this victoria do you think we should start with a question such as how do you how do you know that god is real and and how can you prove it well that is the sixty four thousand dollar question and uh okay thanks a lot thanks very much victoria the show's in an hour, then we win. Okay. It's an ongoing question. It's always subjective to everybody. I, um, the proof lies within ourselves, in our own experiences, and moves into faith and trust and belief. And uh, I find that over our lifetimes, we can find some definitive answer within ourselves because God pursues us. He seems to constantly be initiating uh, and seeking for us to come to him and know him. You could say God, you could say the infinite spirit, the goodness of the universe, whatever reverberates with you. Um, Mm -hmm. He wants to be known, I believe. Um, We were created with the intention that we would know him, and he surrounds us with evidence of himself and keeps that question, that very question of his existence, Squarely right in our face. Hmm. That, that's interesting that you say that because it's it, it's a tough one for me. It's a real tough one because I think religion. Now, I, I do like what you said about be it God or an or a a a, a form of what you believe in, and and I and I do believe that evidently something happened. Evidently, the universe is here. The planetary system is here. I think the big debate, really, Victoria, is. Was it built with an intelligent design or did it happen? And the reason I ask that is because people do say to me, well, the earth was formed obviously by an intelligent design because of how things interact and everything fits together and everything's wonderful. And, and But then I have to ask that question or, or, or answer that with, well, 
if God, if if God is a person or or, or a single being, how did he get it so wrong? Um, when I say wrong, I mean ninety nine percent of the wildlife and the the things that existed on Earth from the get go have now been eradicated. They've gone. They they outbred or didn't breed enough. Does God get things wrong? <laughs> well, maybe uh, they weren't wrong at the time, but I don't know if I'd call it wrong, but perhaps they moved into something that uh, needed to be. The dinosaurs are gone, and then they made room. When a door closes, another window opens, and it leaves room for growth. And that's what our lives are. It's growth. Uh, hmm. our, our journey through life um Finding that we are not just impermanent body, but a everlasting soul that moves on and continues its its um, education, if you will, and its transformation into a better and better experience. Mm, mm. All our, all our lives, we discover who we are. We um, have experiences, right or wrong, good or bad, that bring us that growth and uh, better understanding of the world that we live in and and the world that's within inside of us. Do you suggest, though, that, that if you're not a believer, that those faculties are lacking in, in people? I mean, I know people that absolutely do not believe in, in anything that we're about to talk about, and yet they're intelligent people. They're, they're very, some of them are um, lecturers in, in universities also, and they seem to be content with the fact that they don't know what happens and they seem to move on with their life intelligently and 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 live pretty much the same life as a devout shall we say christian i i, I hate to say the word christian because it singularizes you know the religions that we, that we could talk about you don't have to be a christian to be a good person do you absolutely not and people do what's right for them there's no necessity that they follow somebody else's dogma it's just are they doing things in a constructive way or a destructive way and you can't know good without bad they you have to look at all sides of something and have something to compare it to to really get a full understanding of the expression of your own soul if you will your own spirit and by doing mm -hmm. that we're inspired to live a more lo loving and purposeful life and we can be comforted that we've overcome an obstacle and now know that if we do things in a deconstructive way in a negative way ow that's not very pleasant sometimes you get right. a lot of uh, friction and feedback and uh, anger and jealousy and all the negative emotions and when you do something that's more loving and kind all of a sudden you find a lot more peace in your life a lot more harmony and it's by that trial and error we come to have happier lives okay all right let's go back a couple of steps here and let's let's discuss what uh, I, I, and I'm going to say Christianity again because obviously much of of the Western world's beliefs are based on a book um, called the Bible, and mm -hmm. um, I've tried to read the Bible and I've tried very hard uh, during certain periods of my life to to understand the Bible, and I came up with uh, I, I would say uh, it's contradictions. Everything in the Bible seems to be a contradiction. There, there seems to be. Um, I, I can give you a couple of examples. Um, uh, in, in 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 Genesis one thirty one, it says God is satisfied with His works, and then a couple of chapters later, it says God is dissatisfied with His works. And I don't understand how 
Can he make his mind up? Is, is he is he sitting on the fence? <laughs> well, if he really were the man with the long white beard, and we could find a place that we could sit down and speak with him, hopefully he would answer that. But um, I find that the Bible is, you know, there's so many things in there that don't quite sit right, especially when you start at the Old Testament and move forward. Um, but I look at it, it took me a long time to come to this conclusion or understanding that it's really a, a, a history, or not an accurate history, but a journey of our relationship with God and how that's progressed as far as mankind goes, as far as our interaction and understanding. And um, starting with Genesis and those first five books in the Bible and going all the way through the New Testament, we grow and come to a better understanding of our relationship with God, and that's my own personal opinion of what that Bible primarily serves. Yes, we can take a a line out of it, and uh, perhaps even a good line, and and try and uh, think about it all day on Sunday after church, and Mm -hmm. um, bring it into ourselves, but the book itself is just that journey of our relationship as it develops with God, and, and, and there are contradictions. There are contradictions in our lives. If everything was perfect, we probably wouldn't be here. We'd just be God. Right. Um, but this is our opportunity to live in a physical world, to have our own identities. Even if we feel we have a connection to God, we have free will. We have independence. And do good or bad, to fall off the cliff or ride a slow boat or a fast race car and, and um, mm. explore and, and hopefully better ourselves in the process. Right, but it, th- there are certain things though that I, that I have to question. I mean, th- there's there's something uh, Proverbs fifteen three, for instance. It says, "God is everywhere present; He sees and knows all things." But then a few <laughs> in Job, it says, "God is not everywhere present; neither sees nor does He know all things." So, which way is it? What, what's going on? I mean. I understand that the Bible was not written by God or Jesus or anyone related. It was written long after the event, correct? That's true. The uh, In the New Testament, uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John started, what, 100 years past, give or take some years, and, and then 300 years after Christ's uh, passing, they kind of took some books out and, put, you know, changed of what the Bible was, um, and they do have different authors, and and um, hmm. but I feel that contradictions are part of our understanding. You know, I had a near-death experience, and the one of the interesting aspects of that was when I passed. Have you ever been in an area that's cold? You're warm in your house. You open the front door. You walk outside. And it's just cold. You can feel it all around you, even though mm-hmm. you can't see it. I think that's yeah. Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> well, that very likely could be. Um, but but you know that the cold is there because you're fully aware of it all around you. Well, when I had my near-death experience, I was fully aware that God's presence was there, the infinite spirit, the goodness of the universe, something more. It was tangible, and yet I couldn't put my finger on it, I couldn't see it, but I was fully aware that it was there. And to me, that's, that's, I didn't know that when they say God is love or Jesus saves, some of those things are literal, but mm-hmm. God is love and it's a, and it's a presence that you feel on, 
on that other side or the presence we can feel within ourselves. So how close did you come to not making it back to this to this life when you had your near death? Well, I didn't I really didn't intend to come back. I, I, my husband and I have been married now for 41 years, and I have a beautiful daughter who's long since grown, but I uh, love, and I, um, I was terminally ill, and hmm. my near-death experience, I, I had been having severe pain, just terrible pain, and I just whooshed out of my body. And my thought was not for my beloved husband of all those years or my beautiful daughter. All I could think was, was, I'm glad that's over. And I left. And I had a body. I mean, I know I had feet because I kind of tucked them under myself and moved forward with a purpose. And, hmm. um, yeah. And that's I interesting. Just, I just, I, and I just went. And that's when I, you know, that, that God presence, that infinite spirit, that, that, uh, goodness is just there. No question. There were levels that I went through. And then I came to, a place where I met someone, and uh, as I was traveling, by the way, I started having memories. Uh, oh, this is familiar. Oh, I understand life. What life is really about now? It's not that go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to sleep, get up the next day, and do it all again. Mm-hmm. But there's a bigger picture, a deeper meaning to life. And there was somebody who stopped me, and they kind of just put up their hand, and it made me realize. <laughs> I wasn't hmm. quite done with all the things that I needed to do and like a rubber band and snap. Right. I, I've got friends that have experienced the same thing, but they were using acid. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not a, not that I'm proposing that everyone should try it, but but what did you see? Who was it you met? Did Was it somebody in a physical form or was it just an aura or some something that you, you, you felt more than, more than actually saw? You know, the interesting thing, it was as though this physical life that we're living right now was the dream. And that was much more vivid and much more real being on that other side. And yes, I did meet someone who was, they were a a person and they were dressed. They had that, I think they call it a Nehru collar, a shirt. They were wearing leather shoes. They were sitting at a table and they were sitting and, um, you know, they moved their hand up. I could see their hand, and I recognized them not as someone I knew in this world. In other words, it wasn't a grandparent or a loved one who, had, who I'd known here in past, but it was someone I fully recognized and remembered. And um, hmm. <laughs> I guess they acted as my conscience, making me stop before I couldn't go back and uh, making me realize this really wasn't my time. I still, I could. I hadn't intended to come back, but... Uh, I still had things to accomplish and uh, more learning to do. And hmm. Once the moment that I said, oh, you know, yes, within myself, I'm really not complete, boom, I was back. So are you suggesting that you actually met what we call God or maybe one of his assistants? You know, obviously you've got to reg- you have to register I, to get in, right? So <laughs> I, think- I, myself, I myself did not go that far. I know other people have. Um, we've had people at the Spirit University who come and talk about traveling all the way to the source. They've had many uh, near-death experiences. There's always markers in those near-death experiences that's a commonality where you can say, yes, this seems genuine. It's not mm. a dream. It's, you know, it's very, very real. Someone like uh, Dr. Eben Alexander, he's a neurosurgeon. He was a teacher at Harvard, and he had meningitis. He had it for a week. 
and they there's just no coming back from that. Um, he actually was taken, the interesting thing, he was taken to his own hospital, and uh, they had funeral arrangements ready, and they said there's just no hope. And during that week, my, my near-death experience was perhaps 20 or 30 minutes. His was a week's worth of experience, and he was able to see the source, as so many people do. I just didn't go that far. So, so what, what did he tell you? I mean, what is the source? I mean, how do you, did he explain what it looked like, or, or did he have a good memory of, of the physicality of it? Was there a physicality of it, or was it like yeah. a specter? Yeah, no, it wasn't not, no, it's very clear. In fact, the other people, we have a little group that's met for years, uh, the near-death study experience group. Some people have out-of-body experiences, and some people really have gone forward. And a lot of the um, explanations that they bring back are similar, and it is not just sort of a, a cloud or a feeling. He saw very clearly he saw in great detail. He was able to think. He says he still had his personality, as other people have said. Um, and then he describes his process to go a little bit farther, and then he'd come back and go a little bit farther and come back. And and uh, I won't give. A, he wrote a book called Proof of Heaven. You've probably seen him on Oprah talking about the book, you know, years ago. But it's a bestseller. Yeah. And and there's a proof that he gives in the back of the book that um, is a very good proof of, um, of was this real and not just a dream he had while he's in a coma for a week. And then miraculously okay. he came back and was cured of his meningitis. Well, let me, let me, let me tell you this, this, this little story. When I was 19, my grandmother, who I loved more than anything else in the world, um, passed away, and I was there holding her hand. She had a, she had a, a heart attack, and... Uh, she died and then about three or four days later i i had what i presupposed was a dream and i woke up to find my grandmother at the end of my bed with her finger over her lips going shh do not wake your mother come downstairs with me i want i need to talk to you and i don't want to upset your mum anymore so i went downstairs and we had a very, very long conversation. And she said, Brian, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm, t I'm worried about your mom. She's really upset. And I don't want to upset her by her seeing me. So that's why we've come down here and we're just going to talk. And I just want you to know that everything's fine. And when I woke up again the next morning, I was absolutely adamant that that had happened. I was absolutely as sure as I was alive that that had actually happened. Is that feasible? Well, I think your experience is classic and is more common than people realize. And that's a very, very good experience. Um, so if your grandmother hadn't passed but there had been trauma, wouldn't she have done the same thing, being caring about your mother's well-being and your own? I suppose. I suppose. I suppose. Mm -hmm. so I don't know. True to the personality that she had, the caring you she had, and your yeah. conviction that this yeah. had happened. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just. It was just very unnerving for me because I, I, I'll be quite candid with you. I am not a huge believer in this stuff, and yet, eighteen months ago, I also suffered what they 
sometimes call a heart attack. Mine wasn't a heart attack. Mine was a full-on cardiac arrest, and I was dead. And they tried very hard to revive me for quite a while. It took about five or six people to, to, to get me back into the land of the living. And then I was induced into a coma for a, a, about four or five days. When I was unfrozen from the uh, the ICU unit, they, they freeze you down nowadays. It's part of their protocol, um, which helps your, stops your brain from swelling and, and helps in a myriad of different things, I, I, I'm told. I was adamant to the doctor that was consulting with me after I woke up that I had seen, um, there were two people above me who were asking me to go with them and I was fully prepared to go, and 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 I was now. I don't remember this now, but I'll, I'll I'll go through the story. I was beckoned to go with them to I don't know where, and suddenly they turned and said, "Oh, no, 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 no! You can't come. You have you have to go back. You you can't come with us." You know. So I'm wondering if I've already got pre-barred from heaven. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's already been screened. <laughs> So I don't know. It's not the barring from heaven. No, you're not barred from them no matter what your life has been. But um, but what a profound experience and how interesting. I imagine you are no longer 19, a young man of 19. But I wonder if that experience prepared you for your later experience. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still not a big believer in life after death. I think it's a wonderful concept and I would love for it to be true, as would anybody. And, and I think the burning question for any child when, when, they, when they first start to think about existence has to be, why are we here? What is the purpose of having a life? What is the purpose of having a death? What happens? Is there something after? And is there any proof whatsoever of there being a life after death, like real concrete proof. I guess there can't be, can there? Well, of course there can. You know, I used to be an electrical engineer. Right? You can't get more proof-driven than that. Everything's mathematical. The numbers have to add up. And now I work with mediumship and have had a near-death experience. And everything I do works with evidence. That's where my comfort zone is. Not everybody needs that, but I, I do. So, yes, you can. And and as far as being a believer or not, it, it's I don't think that is necessary. You believe what is right for you. You you had an experience. It was part of your life. Perhaps the first uh, near-death experience prepared you for the second. Perhaps it was just there so that you wouldn't move into greater grief and could comfort your mother or family. Um, and, uh, and then hmm. you move on. Maybe that's a part of your purpose of life. Maybe it's made you question. The, the existence of God, the existence of another level of existence, if you will, the other side or heaven or whatever you want to call it. And perhaps that was a turning point for you. It's, it's possible. But I mean, the, 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 real, the real question for me uh, has been for the last few years that um, religion to me seems very geographical. I mean, if, if you're born in the West, you tend to believe in, in God and Jesus and, 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 and that story. And if you John, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, yeah, what I was going to say, when you followed, I have a couple questions, uh, Victoria. One is, you know, some people um, very specifically 
it sounds like to me that you don't take the Bible as a specific roadmap document, turn left, turn right, turn, you know, north, turn south. You see it more of as, as a, as a, um, as, as a, a, a path forward, a leadership, a document to give you uh, a general set of instructions. And so that's the first part of my question. How do you deal with people or what do you say to people who have a very, the Bible is 100% the word of God. Um, because I think people that have that attitude really causes disbelief or, or doubt, you know, from the rest of us who look at a document and just go, well, these, mm-hmm. these two, these two statements are, are not the same. And then the question, second question is, do you think that all religions are the same? Do you think we're all worshiping the same God? He just uh, reveals himself differently culturally to different folks. <laughs> well, um, Believe it or not, sit down. I'm actually a skeptic. I, uh, it's just part of my natural uh, personality. And um, as far as uh, making somebody else move into their own skepticism or not believe something, I, I find that as we progress as people, we find acceptance of other people no matter how they are. We recognize that that's where that person needs to be to have their experience to move forward um, from atheism to doubting and skepticism to belief and then that true faith that uh, all is well. And and uh, I fully accept people who think that every single word of the Bible is a law. And it's not just the Bible. There's many other religious books out that are out there. My goodness, the Jewish faith not only has the, Bible, the Old Testament Bible, but other mm-hmm. books that talk about the Bible. I mean, there's a lot out there and and everybody finds their own way but as they get higher and higher and move into goodness and uh love you find that the door narrows and you're either loving or you're working on the less good aspects that will bring you into more more loving i don't know if i made that point very clearly but that's the gist of what i what i see and as far as the religions go um I, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I am a fully ordained minister. The Spirit University is not a religious organization whatsoever. We just bring in speakers who are national speakers and mm. local classes. I think we do close to 800 classes a year uh, on everything from intuition and developing to um, meditation to um, a variety of healing modalities and personal growth. And we also explore the frontiers of consciousness and Mm. with that consciousness you may find a religion and its belief system its dogma that works for you at a specific time um but i find that that spirituality that runs through all those different religions and different beliefs is really uh, a common factor so somebody it's just like culture somebody may have a very a uh, strong belief on something that another person from another culture, another religion doesn't believe, but ultimately, do we have uh, actions that lead to peace either for ourselves or other people? Mm. Do we have actions that lead to harmony with ourselves or other people? Or do we kind of get sidelined and start going off the deep end and there's a lot of friction and negativity? You know, I think those are the, the guideposts that Moves hmm. us through in our own spiritual transformation. 
So in your, I'm sorry, Brian, just one no, more no, follow-up. No, and it's, the on. Brian, it's not the John show. But I just had one <laughs> fun. It's, You're fine, There would John. be no listeners if it was the John but so in your in your belief system, resurrection or life after death is not religion specific. I mean, specific well, it can be. I mean, humans can be religious people. Uh, it's just how what uh, whether you want to look at it in a religious perspective or if you want to look into it in a scientific perspective. You know, the man who came up with the term near death experience in 1974 and 1975 was Dr. Raymond Moody. He's been at the Spirit University three times, two times in body. He's not passed. We actually live-screened him the last time. <laughs> but um, but uh, he's both an MD, traditionally trained, and a PhD in philosophy. And and uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought with that. I'm That's all right. Of Raymond That's Moody. A... Oh, I forgot where I was going to go with that. Don't worry, Don. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, honestly. it was about God in the universe. So. It was just about yeah. It was just about you know you, is is salvation or life after death or whatever you want oh, to call I know it. Where I was yeah, gonna, yeah. I know where I was going to go. So Dr. Moody started out looking at it from a very clinical, scientific point of view, and has he moved forward? Oh, you know, since 1975, his views has changed, but he is still the consummate medical doctor. And he does look at it scientifically, whereas other people uh, move forward more with just trusting and faith within their own heart and their own belief system and their own awareness and cognitive feelings. So, and and people can be anywhere in between. If they're emotional people, they may feel an emotion that this feels right, and uh, some people need to see, hear, touch, smell, and taste it. I happen to be mostly one of those people, so when I do mediumship, I absolutely insist on evidence. When I did my near-death experience, I had evidence after that through automatic writing. You hmm. know, with, with mediumship, do am I getting a name? I uh, I remember one one person I was giving a reading for, and I had told them their mother was here, and I described what they did uh, in their life for the living, brought up memories, brought up the way they looked. And they said, well, what was her name? <laughs> mm. And I thought, I said, oh, I don't have a name. God, they're not going to give me a name. So I said, well, when they give me a name, I'll give you one. And then they showed me a maypole. I'm like, really? So mm. I said, well, I'm seeing a maypole. Well, the woman's name was May. Um, so is that ah. evidence? I didn't see, see, get the name May. I got a maypole. But for me, it satisfied me enough to continue on with, you know, my ethics or integrity and saying, yes, I have a con genuine connection here. So, and the, and the same goes true with everything we do, whether it's seeking God or mm -hmm. thinking about near-death experiences and what comes after, is there an afterlife? Well, yes, I think we can find proof, but we have to have the proof that works for us. Okay. Let's, let's deviate just, just, a, just a little bit here and talk about the power or lack of power of prayer. Um, many people, uh, particularly on Facebook, I've noticed um, this year that um, people are always posting, please send prayers to my auntie. She's um, not doing at all well or, or, or whatever, or whoever it is. And then many, many times, a few days later, you, you know, people are sending in hundreds of, you know, prayers sent, I'm sending prayers and all, you see all the, all the messages beneath the, 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 the request. 
And then you find out a few days later that the person actually did indeed die. Um, and then you see another myriad of, 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 of answers to this. And, and people say, well, it wasn't God's will. It's God's, this is how God wanted it to go. So I know that if I was God under those circumstances, uh, it's, it's, it's really odd. I mean, uh, why are they wasting my time with these prayers if I've already preordained that the person's going to die? Why, why, but why bug me with this stuff? I've got other stuff to do. Don't hit me with all these prayers because I want her to die. Do you, do you know what I mean? You're, do you believe that there's an afterlife or are you not sure you just think when your physical body ends, that's the end of it? I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. But, I, but I'm also very equally comfortable to not know. Um, but if there is an afterlife, what is it like? I mean, do you have evidence of that? I mean, can you tell me? I mean, I thought I was going to go to an afterlife, apparently, according to this doctor. Um, but I still find it very hard to believe. I, I, I find it really, um, it, it, it's not rational to me to, to, to suggest that me, little old Brian Howe, is, is going to go flying off somewhere and have an eternal life. I mean, how busy is heaven? How busy is that place? I mean, it must be packed. It's a big place on earth, and, you know, conversely, it's a big place in heaven, too. They say, as above, so below. Hmm. Um, you know, Eben Alexander, not just only mentioning him because I'd mentioned him before, the neurosurgeon, he talks about the power of prayer. He said when he um, was in this uh, huge near-death experience, he was aware of the prayers, and they did affect him. And when he came back, without being told who was praying at one ta what time, he was able to tell them, this person was praying for me about halfway through the week and, and um, this other person, and, and it does make a difference. They say it's the power of prayer. Even if you believe that our lives end at the moment of our physical death, well, there's a power of prayer within the goodwill you send to the person that your loved one that has just died for so the person praying receives a benefit from their it's a an expression of their compassion or their yeah. um, caring if you will that i totally understand so for the power of prayer to work it's more of benefit to the person believing that they're helping the person in you know for, for themselves you know i mean th there was a study done um and and i had the book and and i'm sorry i can't give you the facts on on, on this book but there was a book um, that had a chapter about um, the power of prayer. And there was a, a hospital a few years ago, it's got to be 10 years ago or something, that had about 20 patients. And without telling any of the patients, I, th I think it was probably a terminal ward of, of, a, of a hospital. And the power of prayer is, is very important in that environment, of course. And uh, many people were told to pray to God, their God, and the other people were told to pray to a milk carton. And the ironic thing is, is that the same amount of people recovered that were prayed via the milk carton as, as were to their supposed God. So what does that suggest? I mean, you know, I'm sure these things can be rationalized in some way, shape or form. But does prayer, I mean, if, 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 I, if, if there was a God listening to prayers how does he do it how does he sit there i mean there must be millions and millions and millions of prayers a day 
ricocheting around the walls of heaven and he is supposed to listen to all of them and he's supposed to answer them and he's supposed to because it does say in the bible if you believe if you truly do believe prayer will work yes yes and and uh, i do believe in the power of prayer some people call them affirmations that you know, you can look at it in a religious light, you can look at it in a spiritual light, or just improving your life. And and we do have the placebo effect. We have it with medicine, where you take a yes. sugar pill, and all of a sudden you, you make yourself come better. But does that mean the sugar pill had no um, effect on you? Well, no, it doesn't. Your belief that that sugar pill works is something that is, is what it is. Perhaps the, the real medicine, the aspirin or whatever it is, isn't the thing that gives you the most relief or the repair. It's your belief. It's our own spirit or soul bringing that into a battle. We're, we're co-creators, so we're creating our, our um, good health. Mm. And, um, and just because someone didn't recover doesn't mean that wasn't the right thing for them. For us, we, we sit here with our head in our hand and go, oh, why did we lose that person or why did that person suffer? My father-in-law had that experience with my mother-in-law. She had a stroke, and it was debilitating, and it and it limited her severely. And mm-hmm. his uh, his thought was, if there is a God, why did He let this horrible thing happen? Well, over the time that they had left, he started to become a caretaker, which he'd never been in his life. And all and uh, over that time, he started walking in her shoes at least to some degrees and, uh-huh. and uh, had a lot better understanding of of what it was like outside his own world of, of the business world so um why do bad things happen to good people well yeah, yeah. I don't know if i would i mean they are bad in that they're horrible or they're painful but ultimately there's a gift in that experience if we just can put the rest of our emotions aside to see that gift and when we get that we get past it and we turn around and look at where we've been we can say that was worth it i Mm -hmm. understand now i'm a better person for it i get that i get that so let's let's presuppose that there is definitely a heaven let's say yes there is there is absolutely no doubt that there is a heaven. Can you communicate with the people up there? Can they communicate with us? Can they get in touch with us and, and, and say, hey, it's re- we're running out of food up here. Can you send up some, you know, takeout or something? Yeah. Or are we getting a little thirsty? Getting, yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, can you communicate with, with the, the, those that have supposedly gone before us? Well, you know, I, I mean, that's I, I see it almost every day, and, and I do it myself, but it's something that works for me. Until I had my near-death experience, I was aware peripherally that that was out there, but it really wasn't my time for it. I was more interested in, in running business and making money and raising my child and so forth. So when it became time, I focused more on it, and I, and I think, and then when people are in times of need, Maybe that's their time to focus on it as well. But yes, I, I do feel you can, um, I'll give you an example. I, I was mm. in an automatic writing class after I had my near-death experience. And that's where you just sit down with a piece of paper and you unfocus your mind and you let words appear on your pad. You know, you do little scribbles and, yeah. and so everybody else in the class is 
starts to scribble madly, and I'm like, what is this? So I made my little circles on the pad of paper, and after an excruciating long time, everybody put their pens down, and they said, how did you do? And I said, oh, it didn't work. They said, let me see your paper. And written in the middle of my scribbles, quite clearly, it said "Hello," something like, hello, Victoria, if you do this writing, I will be able to speak with you or guide you or help you. Hmm. I couldn't believe it. And so then I spent the next half of the class questioning it. Well, how do I know it wasn't me? How do I know that that's real? And I just dominated the class. And the instructor gave me his proof. He says when he was uh, connecting in with his guides, his loved ones on the other side, he took a photo, put it on the shelf in his kitchen, put a big piece of driftwood in front of it, step back, and he says, if you're real, move this picture. And nothing happened, and he went to bed. And he came out the next morning, and the picture, the driftwood was still there, but the picture had come over it, and it was on the floor lined up with a tile. Well, he's telling me that, and for him, that was his proof positive. For me, I'm thinking, well, you live next to a train track, or, you know, I I didn't see it. That didn't prove it for me. So after I was leaving this class, it was 9 o'clock at night, I'm on a dark road heading home, and a car pulls up next to me, and it and I are the only cars on the road, and I couldn't see in the car. It had blacked out windows, and I'm thinking about how do I know that was real connection? Hmm. And as it moves forward, oh, I forgot, I forgot to say that the um, person that I met in spirit in my near-death experience, I call him heart with two wings. It's it's uh, part of his life lesson for me that I needed to lighten up my heart. But that was my uh, name for him, was heart with two wings, before I re- really knew what, remembered what his name was. And as that car pulls forward, um, the license plate said two wings. And hmm. And I just sort of, and then it drove off. And as I'm recognizing that, I live in the state of Florida. Well, in Florida, you have one license plate that has, you can only have one license plate that says T-W-O-W-N-G-S. And then what's the likelihood that that would end up in my city, in my county, and be out that specific night at the exact time I'm driving it directly after having um, an experience that I'm questioning, it was that a real communication? Hmm. So for me, that was my proof. I, I, yeah. I could tell you statistically how incredibly unlikely that would be to the point of absurdity. Um, but that doesn't mean that my proof worked for other people or my instructor's proof worked for me. I think we have to find our own proof. And you were talking about praying. Mm-hmm. You can pray for uh, goodness, you can pray for good health, you can pray for wealth, you can pray for wonderful things, but you can also pray or put out an affirmation to get your, to receive your own proof if that's what you're seeking. And if hmm. you don't need the proof, well then just keep going in, in the status quo that you have. It, that's, that's what works. Yeah. I'd like to try an experiment actually while we're here live on, 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 on this, uh, this, this thing here and, what I want to do is, you know, I, I don't know if it's if it's God or it's a force or a supreme being that we that we um, send these messages to to see if they they exist. But I'd like to say to the supreme being right now, if I, I want evidence, I, I am seeking evidence. I need to find evidence. So what I suggest, if you do exist and you can hear this, which I presume you can, if you're all seeing, all being, and all all eternal, um, kill John. <laughs> Thanks. 
Kill Thanks John for me, please. Um, Holy smoke. Well, my wife would be happy, but... Well, she'd be very happy. Yes. From what she tells me. Yes. But, um, <laughs> no, John's still fine. He's still... <laughs> yeah, John? Yeah, hello? Uh, I'm, not, have, I'm not feeling well all of a sudden. I have a suggestion for you. You know, you can receive... I received my sign by seeing a car with an uh, 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 exponentially unusual message back to me and i see that when i've been thinking about angels i see a, a truck that has angels in it and i see a sign that has angels all within the period of 90 seconds and that's mm-hmm. one too but what you might want to do is be conscious of the signs that are sent to you you know be conscious be looking yeah. for that sign and be open to it so you're thinking about are angels real and you see a sign that says angel and 30 seconds later if you see another sign that says angel and the third one 30 seconds later and you go no i guess there's no angel so they they look for the signs and the and the information um and right right well i I have a good friend who, who 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 suggests that um the way her mother communicates with her her mother has has died uh but her, she 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 says that her mother communicates her by virtue of feathers, and and if if she sees a feather, she knows that that's Absolutely. a message. I mean, that seems a that's little bit you desperate, see. you know. Well, no, it's not butterflies, ladybugs, birds, uh, feathers, a cloud formation, and it does not mean that somebody in spirit has moved the clouds around to make a symbol that has deep meaning for you. Hmm. But you might feel this touch on the shoulder, or this feeling to just look up you look up and all of a sudden you recognize that there's a symbol up there that has meaning for you right um, and, and sometimes they'll come in your dreams you know you'll you'll get your answer in a dream or or have you ever just been walking along and you've got a problem you can't figure it out you can't figure it out and all of a sudden the answer pops into your head out of seemingly nowhere coincidence well that's hmm. something for you to decide but if it's the right answer you know, to say. So those that have gone before us or gone into what we hope is going to be a life after death, can they still see us? Can they spy on us? Because it's not very healthy. It's not very healthy if they can. Not not, not in my particular no instance, because when I'm in the bathroom, you know. You know, there's a book. Uh, my husband got it for me. It's called Do Dead People Watch You Shower? And uh, mm. they don't. You can still connect. You know, there's a thing called bilocation where they'll be off in the plane of existence where they normally dwell, but they and they can be doing things there, but they can also kind of look out and connect with you uh, and see how are you doing, how are you feeling, are you under any stress or trauma, are you doing well, and, and, it's, a, and it's a way of sort of keeping tabs on you and knowing it's, everything's going well, and they can also come and visit you, how many people... See, see ghosts. They see spirits. Uh, you saw mm. your grandmother at what at the foot of your bed. Uh, yeah, but did I? Did I? That's 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 the never-ending question. Did I, or was that a, a way of my mind um, helping me come to terms with the fact that because our minds are the most powerful organ we have in our head um, in, in our entire system, of course. But um, I don't know. Now, again, moving on from that, I'm a very big animal advocate I, I i like to rescue animals from shelters and, and and i do a lot of stuff regarding that let me ask you this do pets do animals do my dogs have souls is there an afterlife for animals well as a medium i will tell you yes you can perceive them and you don't have to be born with the ability to perceive animals in the afterlife you can 
hone those skills and see for yourself. And there's nothing like the proof of having your own experience of saying, there's a dog here, there's a horse here, there's a cat here. Mm-hmm. What's this cat's name? It's somebody else's cat. Let me see if I can get that. There's been a few times where <laughs> people name their animals funny things sometimes. I've had a, both a Tootie and a Tootsie as uh, animals, and I and I didn't want to say that. It's, oh, your your cat Tootie is here. And they're like, yes, that was my cat's name. So, oh. so you can prove it to yourself if you'd like. You can visit the animal that's passed that you love. And, you know, um, you know how you, you connect with not only animals, but the loved ones in spirit that you'd like to perhaps speak with or connect with, make sure they're okay, is you just go to a quiet place and uh, where you're not going to be interrupted and you just take a deep breath and just take a moment to think of them. You think mm. about what their voice sounded like, what they smelled like, what it felt like to hug them or be with them. And it's like you're sending an email out into the ethers. It mm. only takes a moment. And sometimes you can feel them come in. It's like a whoosh. They're there. And, yeah. uh, so, and even if you don't feel that, don't worry about it. Just move forward. And clearly in your mind or out loud, if nobody's around, say what you'd like to say to them. You know, are you all right? Uh, where did you leave the treasure chest? What, whatever it is. And then yeah. you take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, the first thing that pops into your mind is typically them. And it may not be what you expect. But it may be the right answer or what you need. Okay. So it's how as simple as that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Well, it sounds to me like you 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 dabble a little bit further than I thought you would. I I, I it sounds to me like you you like to really investigate that. And so are, are you like a, a, a what is the word a medium? Uh, can you can you do that? Can you like if I were to come to you, would I be able to sit with you and you could? let me speak or, or have some sort of, uh, I don't know what the word would be. It wouldn't be a conversation sure, per it, se it, with it my grandmother, for instance. It can be an interaction. You know, I, and yes, that's what mediums do is you have a, a conversation, a two-way conversation with the intelligent life on the other side. Not all psychics are mediums. Some people just get a feeling or knowing or they use a tool like a pendulum or tarot cards or something. Right. Right. They don't know what the source is necessarily. They just use it as a, as a doorway to open into their own innate intuitive skills. But mm-hmm. that's what we do. Is we, we you can see them. <laughs> they say, "What do they look like?" I said, "Well, he's got kind of bushy eyebrows." I say that with respect, you know, and he's got a little red tint to his hair. Or, well, I, I I would love to I would love to meet you, and and I would certainly love to have. I, and I've never done it before. It's not something that I've ever really considered doing. But I, but I am genuinely, genuinely interested. Um, but you know, is it considered witchcraft by a lot of religions? I mean, is it is it taboo oh, this oh, this psychic oh, no, medium no. stuff by by certain religions? I mean, I don't know either. I mean, I'm just asking the question. I mean, Victoria, I was I was raised Lutheran, and I, maybe I mistook this, but I was always kind of you know I always got the feeling that when you started talking about you know speaking to the dead, and that that was kind of something I needed to stay away from. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Did I miss? Do you, is that not? Did I mistake that? No, there are so many. When I became, before I became an ordained minister, I had such trouble because there were so many different 
um, religions with different beliefs. In other words, one dogma in Lutheran was a little bit different than the Methodist, which was a little bit different than Episcopalian. And, and um, you find a belief system that works for you because not everybody wants to even think about passing, you know, dying. That's not just, they need, they have enough trouble just thinking about living. So uh, my best friend was Lutheran, and and it works for her. It's her lifelong religion, and more power to her. But for those who are seeking um, their own form of proof, uh, then mediumship does exist. And I will tell you, yes, you can go to a medium. Yes, you can go to a psychic. They're all over the place. They're national people. There's local people. You probably have one with a within a few miles of your home, wherever you are, at least uh, somebody who's intuitive in some way. But I will tell you, you can also connect with, uh, communicate yourself if you so choose. And mm. um, bear with me, just let's do a little quick experiment. Mm. Um, I suggest you close your eyes, just take a deep breath. You do not need to get into any type of altered state. And picture in your mind's eye, with your eyes closed, a green frog. Just picture that green frog. Look at the color. Notice the texture of its skin. Uh, see if you can feel any weight to that frog. And is it making a noise or is it silent? And I don't see a green frog, I'll be honest with you. And it's it, it's it's not doing anything because I can't see it. And I certainly can't hear it. Well, no, I'm, I'm trying. I have my eyes closed. So, so picture, let that go and picture a yellow number two pencil. Do you know what a yellow number two pencil is? Yes, that's why we used to use that at school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can you imagine what that looks like? Yep. Looks okay. like a pencil. So does, your pen so does your pencil have an eraser on it or is it? Yeah. It's, it's got an eraser. Is it, sh is it sharpened or is it not sharpened? It's, it's semi-blunt because I've used it. Okay. And does it have writing on it or is it blank? It's got some writing on it. All right. So let that go and imagine there's a friendly dog coming up to you. It's lovely, but it, it's making a noise. It's either yapping or barking. Take a moment to listen to it. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if it's yapping or barking? No, I think this one's a mute. <laughs> or how about, uh, what is the lion? Is it the MGM lion? Oh, yeah. Does it roar? Can you listen to that roar? Mm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. All right. Well, that's okay. Let that go. Now, imagine uh, you've got a little plate in front of you, and it's your favorite piece of pie, whatever that is. Take a fork in your mind's eye, take a piece of that pie, and see if you can taste that pie. No, I can't even see the pie. Okay. I, I, I don't think I'm very good at this. Oh, don't say that. Were you able to see the yellow uh, pencil? Well, yeah, because I know what a yellow pencil and looks like. Yeah. All right, so so let me ask you this. Where was that physical location of the pencil? Was it a foot away from your eyes? Was it down in your lap? Was it inside your head? Where physically was that yellow pencil that you imagined? Well, physically it wasn't anywhere because I'm trying to imagine it. So it's not physical. It's it's a mental thing. But Well, if you had um, to reach your hand out to it, like your your mental hand, where where would you go with it? Well, if I could reach out and pick it up, I would freak out because it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I'd probably stab John right in the oh eye with gosh. it. Oh, gosh. Because John deserves well, it. Well, you know, I think you <laughs> I do. sort of said part of your key because there's a fear with you. You know, there might be a concern. Is this okay to be connected to talking to those who have died? You know, and first thing you want to do is address that fear. But I will tell you, if you can 
imagine that green frog, if you can imagine the yellow number two pencil, wherever that is inside your head is the same place that you will receive clear buoyant or clear seeing images from those on the other side. Hmm. If you're looking to look at a person, grandma's coming in or your, your animal's coming in. I've had, I don't really know all the breeds of dogs, but I've been able to describe them very vividly until they take me out to their car later and show me a big right. dog. It's like, oh, now I know what that is. Um, but wherever you saw that yellow pencil, it's the same place you will see clairvoyant or clear seeing images. Um, same hmm. thing with, and it doesn't matter, you can be clairvoyant and then may have to work to learn how to be clairaudient, to hear the dog, to hear the lion. No worries, it doesn't matter, it will come uh, if you can taste the pie. You know, all of the senses that we have, seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, tasting, touching, uh, even our sense of time and uh, the sense of balance, those are the same senses that we have when communicating with those on the other side. Hmm. Well, I have to say that most people I know that have heard voices and stuff, they're now under psychiatric care. So I'm, I, I, kind of, I kind of, you know, I have trouble with this aspect of it. I mean, why hasn't my mother contacted me after she died? Why hasn't my father contacted me after he died? Have you contacted them? Have you wanted to speak with them? Have you been open to saying... Mom, I really want to talk to you. I have this unfinished business, or I want to say this, or I want to know that you're okay. You know, either send me a sign or let me know you're here. Well, sometimes, so, yeah, sometimes I'm driving, um, and particularly on the anniversary of her birthday or, 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 or my mother's death, I will be driving and I'll say, Mom, I hope you're doing okay, darling. I, you know, I miss you. But she never gets back to me. I mean, maybe she's maybe heaven is so cool that she just, quite frankly, doesn't give a she damn. She doesn't have time. Yeah. She's busy. She's probably, yeah. If she loves you here, she loves you there. And that connection never dies. But you might try pulling off to the side of the road, taking a deep breath, relaxing, seeing where that yellow pencil is, letting that go, and just see if you get an image or you get a, a touch on your cheek. You know, whenever you see... Then you say somebody saw a feather. Well, when you see the little bird that keeps having unusual behavior over and over again, and you just think about, gosh, you know, this just reminds me of my father. Take a deep breath, relax, and see if you don't feel a presence on one side or the other or front or back of you. You know, yeah. are you just happen to be thinking about that person, and then that song comes on the radio, or or you see that phrase on a billboard that reminds you of them just as you're thinking about them sure sure i get that open, yeah you have to be open yeah. to it and also want to mm. i get that i get that so what what how how do people get hold of you victoria if, if they wanted to uh, come to the spirit university and, and, and become um more you know knowledgeable about it how would they do that so, the Spirit University deals with both intuitive gifts, meditation. I mean, last Friday we did a laughter workshop. We also did uh, energetic healing, and and uh, we taught about plant communication and and um, uh, how to do Reiki healing, and and also it's a big diversity. And we also have uh, guest stars that we fly in. So you just go to our website, the Spirit. You like the letter U or the spirituniversity.com. 
um, and we have a Facebook page as well. And you can see all of our classes and events. Like I say, we're on track to do nearly 800 classes this next coming year. Wow. Um, and you find what's right for you. All the, the people that go to that laughter workshop um, or, a, or a talk on near-death experiences may not want to pursue their psychic or intuitive gifts and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You just find what works for you. And the nice thing is you're able to connect with others who have that same interest or they have uh, experiences. That's what the, you know, we call our near-death experience group a support group because you're really supporting each other. Oh, my God, am I crazy? Did this really happen? I've mm-hmm. done some of it now. You know, I, I didn't write it down before, and, and now I'm wondering. And, and then you find somebody who has some of the same parts of the experience that you did. Oh, well, that's interesting. You know, and I'm not alone. When I'm in a big crowd of 50 or more um, that isn't about near-death experience, just as we're talking to people before a guest star comes in, I'll I'll ask sometimes, how many of you have either had a near-death experience, an out-of-body experience, or known someone who has? And it is stunning the number of people who will raise their hand, Um, Hmm. 25 to 40% very often. So it's more common than you might think, and how Hmm. wonderful it is to share and uh, compare notes about it. So let me ask you this then. Uh, We have to bring things to a... A conclusion pretty soon but it's been it's been really inter- it's been much more interesting than i anticipated to be honest with you um it really has you, that, you, you've yeah that's it was a backhanded compliment i understand that but i don't really understand all the ins and outs of this and and and, and i'm not going to pretend that i do i'm not going to pretend that i'm totally for you i'm not going to say that i'm against you but if i wanted to to meet with someone such as yourself, like a medium who could help me contact or receive messages from a loved one, how would I go about that? You just come to an event or you can have, oh gosh, today we just got a call. I think uh, one of our mediums is doing three readings right in a row. You can have a private session. One of the fun things to do, though, is to come to our psychic fairs and open houses. We just had a fairy fair at Payne Park Auditorium. It's a big county park. We'll have another one, the Mystical Bazaar, in September, and then the Whole U Expo, also at the Municipal Auditorium, in uh, the end of January. That one, the last one we had, had 56 speakers, seven of which, by the way, were medical doctors, and then we also had a PhD. And that was just within two days. They gave 71 lectures on hmm. a variety of, of holistic topics. The Mystical Bazaar that's coming up is more on the intuitive uh, spiritual community. So you can go to an event like that. We have these little psychic fairs here, maybe one to 400 people that have lectures all day. It's a big whopping $5 to come in. And it, and, it, and then if you want to get a reading, you can pay like $25 for a reading. And there's a whole wow. bunch of different type of readers. Some use tools, some are mediums, some are palm readers. So you can kind of test out uh, maybe four people and see which one works for you. Mm-hmm. The person that you really relate with, you say, oh, I got some evidence here, or I like the way that they spoke to me, it was clear. So those are fun ways to explore communication. And you can also take a class if, and maybe you have some apprehension about it. Well, you need to talk to the other students there or the facilitator and express what you're feeling i think this is all crap but i'm interested yeah <laughs> you know? yeah well no I, d- I don't think it's all crap 
I don't. I, I do not think it's all crap because obviously there's many, many things. I do believe that there are many levels of existence, and I do believe that there are different frequencies because that's obvious. There are definitely different frequencies that we can't hear, and we can't see most of the spectrum of light that uh, is predominant in, in, on this planet. Um, uh, but, but uh, you know, the so. But you have medical doctors who can testify that they know that there's a life of traditionally trained MDs. We have one that's a psychiatrist who's an MD who once in a blue moon will come and read tarot, angel cards, I said tarot, angel cards, and hmm. psychic fears that I was just describing. Um, and she teaches a class once in a blue moon on energetic healing. We have a psychologist um, who is a medium, full-on medium. In fact, I just referred her someone uh, um, to do a reading. And, and uh, you know, it's more prevalent than you would think. It's a shame that not everybody accepts it, but that is their journey. And when, when yeah, it's, I could just go on and on. But um, anesthesiologists, I, I did a class last Friday, uh, Saturday, everything you always wanted to know about teaching Reiki. And, and Reiki healing is a form of stress reduction and also healing ourselves. Um, and sometimes I'll get medical doctors who come in, they're anesthesiologists, uh, dentists come in quite often, and they don't really advertise, I'm the Reiki doctor. But right, right. they do it. They, they, there's a permission, you know, you kind of ask, psychically is it okay if I send you some energy before you go under for surgery and if they get a feeling back that yes it's okay or sometimes they'll tell the people quietly they do Reiki on them to bring up their energy level if you will and and um, and that works for them they don't advertise it necessarily some are becoming more bold about it but mm -hmm. um, it's more prevalent than you might think heck it's been on Oprah <laughs> if it's been on <laughs> Oprah you know it's starting to be in our in, a, in our world. And this is amazing. I've just got a message sent to me on my cell phone. Thanks for your podcast today, Brian. My wife had a cardiac arrest, as you spoke of, but it was over a half an hour to get her body breathing with no brain function. Three days on life support before I had to pull the plug, and it's left me very, very distraught. We were married for 42 years. I know of the cold state you talked of, but wanted to say I do believe I've seen signs too specific that I feel was her letting me know that she's okay. Too long to describe, but I was wondering how long you were out before they revived you. Well, that's an interesting question, Tom, and I'm sorry to interject on, on what you were saying, Victoria, but I don't know how long okay. I was out. I, 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 I don't know. I, it, it could have been five minutes. It could have been ten minutes. I really, truly don't know. But that's interesting. The... Uh, People suffer this 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 death thing regularly. Obviously, um, many people only die once. I'm going to have the misfortune of doing it twice. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, nobody gets out of here alive. We're all nobody does. Nobody in one way or the other. Victoria Ackerman, I applaud you. You've been absolutely marvelous. The Spirit University. Look it up online, please. And and please, if you have a final word, now's your chance. Well, I hope uh, our talk today has helped those grieving the loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. If they're curious about what happens, uh, you know, when we die, um, or pondering their own mortality, if you will, or or just trying to live a happier, better 
life. I hope some of the doors that we've opened will leave them with a little bit less fear about this impending death. That it will come sooner or later, hopefully much later. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, it's inspiring them to live a more loving and per- um, purposeful life and give them some comfort about themselves and their loved ones, their family around them. I, I wish everybody well. And thank you, Brian. It's been a privilege and an honor. Thank you very much, Victoria. Thank you, thank so you very much. much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thanks Fantastic. a lot. Yes, thank you. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week, 2 o'clock. Don't, don't forget. Yeah.